kind of good, like, plotting music, right? Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about your next move, whether it be in life or in game, I think this is good, good, good the soundtrack for, for any activity so, you may engage with. Yeah, yesterday you sent me an email. I got it during lunch. And it was pretty long. I was surprised. But it was... Um, let me pull it up here just to have it on hand. So you mentioned proposed changes to the podcast. Yes, yeah, you know, uh, I was just I was just having to be thinking. Uh, I, got, I was up early just kind of playing a bunch of games. We've been doing this podcast for a long time now, over five years. Um, and we've made, you know, changes here and there. I think it's certainly evolved a little bit. But it's more or less the same thing. Us yapping same about, show. Same yeah. show, what we've been playing, you know, the list stuff. So I, I wondered if maybe... Um, you know, video games are different. We got this new console generations. Podcasting now is very different than it was back in 08 when we started. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was time to kind of reflect on how we do things and see if there wasn't a way to make ourselves a little bit more relevant, a little bit more current. Right. Well, here's the funny thing. I will say that talking about podcasting changing over the years. So I've been trying to download a couple new podcasting apps, which I will I will mention why in a bit. Sure. But I'm looking at like all the top podcasts. Podcasting has become a great medium for famous people to do podcasts in. Uh, yeah, the like general top 100 lists are pretty useless. Yeah, but just like, hey, oh, do you want 20 different Smodcast variations? Okay. They're all in the top 100, like top 30 of the comedy section. What the fuck is the Verve, and why do they have like the top 7,000 podcasts? Didn't they do like it's a bittersweet symphony? Is that Verve that- pipe? Oh no, that's um. Oh, the, the Verve Pipe had a different song. Son of a bitch. Right? Yeah, both. I think both were VH1 friendly. We were only fresh. That's right. That's right. For the life of me, I cannot remember. Yeah, you're right. Verve is yeah. bittersweet symphony. The Verve Pipe's freshman. Ah, uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, possible changes to the podcast. Some of the stuff I like. Um, mm-hmm. some of it is gonna be weird for people so sure i just you know throwing it all out there just ideas they're just ideas we're talking about them now and we will try to impose these changes in the podcast so first one starting the show with a showstopper i can understand this for the sake of time you suggest changing the number of items on the list from five to three yeah that's partially for time reasons um i think partially because it really helps you focus in on when we ask a question, what are the three most important things? You mm-hmm. know, like oftentimes we'll have like a couple filler ones, at least I know I will. Um, and three is also just a great number. I just think that's a good feel good number. Um, seems yeah. like the right number of items to have. And, you know, there's another one on here. So you suggest on this one, I don't know how I feel about. Okay. But in line with, you know, the list being the big thing that we do, you suggest maybe changing the name of the podcast to the three cast threes yeah, cast yeah it's a threes cast um a little bit of rebranding you know low score people sometimes might think it's like a golf podcast or something and i think threes cast uh it doesn't pigeonhole us into any one thing you know we can do video games kind of our all kooky talk if we want um brings the focus to the now three item list um and again just brings up a great number um yeah i think just having that threes centric uh idea right up top is is a good thing we will we'll have to run this one by people because i don't know there might be some rebellion i'm open to the idea certainly mm-hmm. i'm not gonna turn it down but threes cast it does it does sound good yeah and low score that you know it's kind of done right so another one here this music that's playing in the background you suggest this is the new music for the show and that it should play 
kind of throughout the entire show, right? Uh, get rid yeah, of the old opening uh, and get rid of the old opening. You know, um, even though we just changed a couple episodes ago, I'm already kind of done with the Anamanaguchi, a dude Walker thing. Um, mm. We experimented in some of our early days. You would put some background music uh, over us talking. Um, yeah, which, you just know, played some, Borderlands some, music some, in the background. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and you know, sometimes it works, and people found it distracting. We we kind of stopped doing it. Um, mm. But I just, I just think this song is great. I think it works as a good intro, like, and it, we can just kind of ease into talking all over it. Um, it's a long track, it's like six or seven minutes, so you could just kind of repeat a um, bunch of different, mm-hmm. bunch of different faces. I think, I think we just add some nice color, a little bit more dynamism. It's just a great song. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, so let's see, uh, the other one, next one. Number okay, yeah. So everyone like the standard thing for podcasts when we started doing this podcast was the what you've been playing section. Right? Everybody like does it. It's 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 standard. It is a way for everyone to talk about new games and old games, go around the table, and it's kind of stale if you think about it. I agree. It's it's a little bit lazy. It's really easy content because we all we're just naturally playing video games, so it's just like boom, here's a bunch of stuff we can fill time with. Yeah. So you suggest instead. Um, changing it to open up with the weekly or bi-weekly, whatever we do, how's your threes section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that would include updates with our top scores, the global top scores, and uh, current top strategies for games. We just update people kind of on the three yeah. scene a little bit, our experiences with the game, uh, what's going on in the world of threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still keep that little personal angle. That's why it's called how's your threes, not like yeah. how's the threes. And, you know, going going threes, like with that perspective, you suggest eliminating the news section and replacing it with interviews of people who are heavily involved in the threes scene, um, developers, composers, and continuing coverage on what we perceive as the war on threes that is taking place on the internet right now. It, it's it's tackling a problem that we've talked about before. We do this podcast roughly, you know, bi-weekly, every, every three weeks sometimes. Um so while we have a fresh perspective on news, sometimes it gets stale. So I think if, if we, you know, the most successful thing we've done has been our Borderlands Alarm updates. We were always on the cutting edge of that. So if we narrowed our focus back to one game, yeah. threes. And I know we don't like to get political all the, often on the show, but um, I think we all know that Barack Hussein Obamacare has really been trying to stop threes um, we've been seeing war on other ios games over the past week and yeah, there's we, a, the, the flappy word wars yeah exactly 2014 we don't want that to happen to threes we don't so. want that to happen and i real really feel like threes is next um this innocent charming little game that you know draws people in um I've, i'm already sensing the backlash there's already murmurings on capitol hill about trying to do something about it i think we need to get out in front of it um mm-hmm spread threes awareness kind of the good that the threes community does um just get out there i think provide kind of a public service so relatedly but but bringing it back home to more local perspective you suggest that we introduce a new segment called threes a crowd Uh uh-huh where we forsake the allegiances of our friends and family and instead commit ourselves to a new life of three right um what's the what's the three triad so it would be uh oneself Mm -hmm. uh ios and the game threes. So backwards, like threes, obviously, obviously, uh, can't have threes that iOS currently the only platform it's available on. Um, I've heard it's, uh, going to come out to two other platforms, Android and windows phone to make it three platforms, which just seems like a good place to stop. So that's perfect. Um, and then of course you need to play threes. So that's you or the third. So you 
the operating system, the game. That's really all you need. I really feel like anything else is in the way in kind of, you know, this uh, ritual zen cleansing, remove distractions from your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people go on vacations or try to minimize their their living space. I'd say get rid of everybody else in your life, all other things in your life. Uh, focus on threes. Get that score up. Uh, I think it's a much more pleasant, more more livable existence. And, and to help you do this, you also suggested here that we should insert a 30-minute break into the podcast for people and us to play a game or, or two of threes during the show, just as a, as a kind of meditative break. Exactly. Our podcasting get long sometimes, and after a little bit, you know, I think people are going to get itchy. People are, aren't going to know what to do if they don't get their, you know, a little bit of threes going on. Mm-hmm. So we'll stop for half an hour. It's time enough to play, uh, you know, maybe two, maybe one if it's a really good game of threes. Um, and we'll just stop. It'll be silent. Um, take that time, you know, leave it going and, and just play some threes. Okay, so I don't know how... Uh, do we have an official position on this? You suggest talking about our favorite location in Earthbound, which is threed. I mean, yeah, I agree yeah. that that is our favorite location, but is this... I mean, I didn't know this was something that we could do on a regular basis. I think it's just, you know, we don't want to lose perspective on where we have been. You know, we're both big Earthbound fans, and, you know, threes isn't the first... Hey, there you go. Look at that. Earthbound shirt right there. Hoodie. Word. Um, so, you know, just kind of paying reverence to a little bit of history of games, as we've always done. Um and, you know, talking about the greatest location, the greatest named location in any video game ever. Three. Yeah. I think it's important. We need. It's not necessarily a, a big segment, let's say, but just every once in a while, just throw it in, remind people. Check in. Yeah. yeah three is great. Um, this one, this one's interesting. I, I think we would probably need video for this, but through the power magic of audio radio, we could probably pull it off. You suggest introducing a second new segment, uh, which you say it's currently untitled yeah, we could, could call it that you I could, know. I, we could call so it that's that. that way they do it on the internet <laughs> be kind of ironic and glib yeah. uh, we don't have a title but you suggest that we ritualistically sacrifice a three-legged animal like a cat dog goat etc to the god of threes yeah um our new lord and master as previously discussed as we've committed ourselves to a new life of three um mm-hmm. i think by showing uh you know humility in the face of three um, thanking the threes for what they've brought to us on this earth, um, granting it power by sacrificing something, um, you know, covering ourselves in its creation, let's say maybe ritualistically eating it or, or bathing in a sure. carcass, uh, I think would be appropriate and would show the same sort of respect and gratitude and deference to all things threes. Right. But of course, this isn't a sacrifice podcast, which is why you suggest that we bring it all back home at the end. Got to talk about games. Te- you talk about games. Take a moment to look at all the new games that will be coming out in the next three weeks that won't be as good as threes. Yeah, um, that's probably all games. Uh, definitely all games. I think uh, we'll just go down the list of what's coming out and say why you shouldn't waste your time with them, why you should really stay you know, three-centric, threes-focused at all times. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I almost want to say, like, what if they made a threequel to threes, but I don't know how you would improve upon it. I really don't think that's ever anything that's going to happen. Uh, so we'll just look at other new games coming out until they eventually stop coming out because of lack of interest. But yeah, let's go to the threes cast. It's the Low Score Podcast. And now, here's Bobby and Jay.
So I think the way that this podcast is going to have to work today is that Jay and I are going to take turns in, say, 10, 15-minute increments, talking about the games that we've been playing, so that the other person can t- take the time to focus on threes. I'm playing I'm playing threes right now. You are playing threes right now. Man. Let's just get a 12, three, another three. Yeah. Uh, threes is pretty good. I was going to make a joke saying like, this isn't a threes cast, but it's kind of, it's going to start as a threes cast. I mean, it's already started with like okay. 10 minutes of threes nonsense. Uh, so, uh, new iOS game threes. I wake up in the morning and I go to game center on my iPhone just to make sure no one has beaten my high score. Cause I can't, I can't beat my own high score. I'm so close, but I can't. Uh, did, you, did you see it? where? It, well, let's look here. I know I haven't beaten you, but I got pretty close a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, unless you have I, improved I, I your I'm high t- score. I want to say like 1049. Yeah, you're 10419 and I'm 1089. So you're um, about uh, 330. You're 330 yeah. points ahead of me. That's not that much. No, it's not. But it's like so much too. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was just the day when I just had a great game. Like, I woke up in the morning. It was the first game I played. I was refreshed, and just everything was clicking. It's, it's actually become a problem. I agree. You you joked about alienating people, uh, but Megs is like, so what do you want to do tonight? I'm like, I don't know. You can watch whatever. I'm going to play threes. Can, can you distract yourself while I play threes? That'd be great. Thanks. I'm like, I certainly can do it in the same room as you, but you know, I'm going to turn on the music, so... Obviously, you're going to turn on the music, because it's so good. Um, it, it's one of those touchscreen game, like the promise of touchscreen gaming come to life. You're like, yes, this actually is better because of touchscreens. Yep. It's simple. The animation's great. It It's super challenging. There's like a... There's a moment of understanding after several games of threes where you're like, oh my god, okay, I get it. Yeah. So threes, if you are unaware of threes for whatever reason, because you live in a hole, um, threes is a game where there is a board that is five by five. I think it's four <laughs> by four. Is it four by? Oh, you're right. It's four by four. Of course it is. Um, there's a grid that's four by four and there are tiles on it. And one tile or the tiles are one, two, three, six, twelve, twenty-four, so on. So ones and twos combine to make threes, threes combine with each other to make sixes, sixes combine with each other to make twelves, and so on and so forth. Um what you're doing is you're just swiping on the screen to drag you're effectively like pushing the tiles up against a wall. And so if the tiles can combine together then those two things will add. So, you know, I push, I'm sliding up on the screen and in the top row or a column, there's like a three, a two, and a one. So I push the one up into the two and it becomes a three. And I push the three up into the other three and it becomes a six, right? Um, and the points that you get in the game are based on the the values of the tiles that you have on the board. And so the, the tile values are not just the number that's on them. It's not just like the direct score but the tile value significantly changes or the score significantly changes as the tile, excuse me, tile values increase. I I think it's powers of three. Yeah. Yes. Are the scores, right? Like three, nine, 27, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, if you have a, um, let me pull up my 
I went to the Touch Arcade and they have a great thing mm-hmm. about it. On oh, your three, your three's fac. Yeah, my three's fac. So the top, the tops tile that you could get is six four or six thousand one hundred forty four. Um, yeah, it's powers of nine. So like the max possible score that you could get is eight million five hundred and three thousand and fifty six. <laughs> but that would be like a perfect game in which you have all. Six one four four tiles. Yeah, and and even a little bit of that is luck because you're constantly getting new tiles. Right. So as you, you swipe, a, one tile comes in from the direction that you've been swiping. So you're like you're pulling it off screen onto the board. So um, someone suggests that the more plausible high score would be like two million nine hundred twenty-two thousand nine hundred forty-two, which mm-hmm. would be it. Uh, Still five, incredibly impressive. Six one four fours, a three zero seven two, fifteen thirty-six, a seven sixty-eight. 384 192 and then all the way down one one tile each left um it's crazy it's really really addicting it's it's the first game in a long time where i will sit down on the couch and play it mm-hmm. and look up and 45 minutes have passed and i didn't even realize it my god like, oh, i'm just gonna you know I'll just i'll just like play one game and then one game becomes two games or three games and suddenly the day is gone Suddenly, the podcast is gone because Jay is playing what? it right now. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not playing it. I'm paying attention. I was really happy that it came out right around a snow day. Oh yeah, it made a big difference. Snow days, snow days. Yeah, it's been snowing here. You guys, Atlanta, got some snow. Well, in the news, we did. Well, we got snow in the news because we're not supposed to get snow. That's why it was newsworthy. In fact, the first snowstorm that we had two weeks ago was worse than this one. Um. You know, this one, they knew it was happening, so they were, you know, taking care to, uh... God, it's been so long since we did a podcast. There have been two snowstorms. Three weeks, in, I know. In Atlanta since we've been on a podcast. So, that first one, they were expecting it to come around, like, f- four and later afternoon, and instead it hit around one o'clock, which is why everyone got on the road all at once, and they didn't let uh, kids out of school early, so everything got jammed up, and people were stuck in traffic, and... Uh, couldn't leave your house. So this time was not so bad. They canceled school on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And it just rained. We, we just had a rain right. day. Yeah. And then it's, it started sleeting overnight. And so it was icy. And then it snowed a little bit in the afternoon, Thursday afternoon, or Wednesday afternoon. And by Friday around noon, roads had totally melted. Everything was fine again. So, Yeah, we got quite a bit of snow Wednesday night into Thursday. In fact, they closed my office Thursday, which they've never done in the two years I've worked there. But it was quite warm, so we got really good melting, and by now it's the roads are totally clear. Yeah. The snowstorms we had before, we didn't have any like crazy problems, but the issue was it was super cold. So it was this dry snow, and for like the next three or four days, the temperature never got above freezing. So it didn't do anything. Right. It just like it just like sat there like untreated and um what was nice was there was no refreezing because there was no melting so it was actually pretty good to drive on because it was just really 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 dry snow yeah just like sitting everywhere snow. yeah just packed down but it's been weird it's lots of lots of snow super cold it's been like super cold winter yeah. i do not like that part uh it's gonna be 70 here this week so i hate you I, it might be <laughs> I don't know. I think it might be uh, in yeah, pushing 50 or so. But it's been um, a good chance to play some games. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've done a lot of writing. Unfortunately, I did not get to play as many games, but hunker and down. And uh, that's good. Getting some writing done. Yeah. Getting I'm enjoying be- 
Beverage on. Beverage on. So today, your brother informed me, or informed us, that there were new Mountain Dew Kickstart flavors. Uh Uh-huh. So Kickstart is the Mountain Dew, comes in a 16-ounce can, it has 5% juice, and it is like half real sweetener and half artificial sweetener, so it's only like 80 calories a can, and it's about... It's like, I don't know what it is. It's like a juice cocktail meets regular soda meets diet soda meets energy drink. Right. And so the funny thing is the energy in it actually is not that much. So the energy content in a can of this is equal per ounce to the same, like a regular Mountain Dew. So it's not really an energy drink. It's just like a tall Mountain Dew. Um, But the new flavors were black cherry and limeade. So I had the black cherry first, and the best thing I could describe it as, it's like you went to 7-Eleven, you made a Slurpee using everything except for the like pina colada flavor, because that like always throws everything off, and right. it melted, and then you were drinking it. Weird. <laughs> um, so it's not bad, but it wasn't great. Now I'm drinking the, the, the limeade, which is like a fizzy Gatorade. There's maybe okay. like a little more lime flavor than a Gatorade has, which has a little more lemon. I like Gatorade. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's good. I mean, I love lime. You know me. Mm-hmm. But I. I just don't know how I feel about this. I think the orange one is still the best. Sure. It's like citrus, something. Something. Citrus, citrus something. Powerful citrusy, good tart flavors. But it gives you that precious energy to keep keep freezing. That's right. You got to keep going. Keep keep alert. Don't want to overdo it. Don't want to get the jitters. Oh, that reminds me. So looking at the Game Center high scores for threes, there are a lot of scores that are like 99 million. Like oh, yeah. St- like stupid numbers. Li- quite literally impossibly high. Right. Like, I wonder what the process to hack the servers is. Is it Like, what, what do you have to do to go through and like fake high scores is there's like some variable that you can change if you're browsing your phone or is it jailbroken phones that you can just post whatever from i it's so weird to me yeah and and also is there no like or some buggy beta version of the game i don't know and is there no like method of control such that um you know those those high scores can be taken down because I do think they they throw it off, right? Like they give you the the first time players have unrealistic expectations about what a good score is when you look at that. Well, if a if a leading board if a leaderboard isn't meaningful, like it has no value whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. The friends leaderboard still does, but I you know you look at your global rank, you're like, well, that number is meaningless to me because right. I know this is filled with nonsense. Yeah, and I would like to know I would like to know how I'm doing in compared to all the nonsense because I've played what I think is like a medium. Like I can play like a pretty good game of threes, but that score is only still 10,000 something, which mm-hmm. is not all that much. Like I can imagine doing significantly better, but I just wonder how everyone else is doing in comparison. Cause the only, I have five people to judge against. That's my game center friends. Because of the way the scores work, like the, the scores would be more useful if you knew like how many of each tile you had left. Like that's the real score. Because think about mm-hmm. it. If you were somehow able to merge Two of the like, what is it? Three, three eighty four. Yeah, tiles. Think about how much higher your score would be. Yeah, yeah. It more seven. double, right? Yeah. So your score in comparison to other scores is very, very weird. Because it was like I was getting three, four thousand. Then as soon as you start getting those three hundred some tiles, now you're getting like eight, nine, ten thousand. If you yeah. just get one of those. So there's like there's like a massive jump. 
So yeah, my my best table. That's funny. No. My best table had a 384, a 192, one or a single 96, yeah, 348s and and a couple 12s. So um, my my best has a 384, a 192, a 96, two 48s, four 12s, three threes, a six, two twos, and a one. Yeah. So like, it's just a little bit of a difference between all those scores until you get bumped up into the next yeah. like set of scores. But the other problem with it is that it is, it's a lot of work, it especially of work. at this you point. Have to, you got to focus. You got to like, every move is significant. I, what I generally do is I just play the beginning of the game like haphazardly. Like, yeah, I just I just throw tiles up and down, kind of like sort them because you want, you know, yellows and bl- or uh, reds and blues to go together and you just kind I, of shift things around until you have a board that you can start working with because you, you don't so want to spend all your time on the, at the beginning of the game. Exactly. You have so much leeway, too, at the beginning of the game where it's pretty forgiving. I'm like, well, I'll just I'm going to focus on merging tiles into big numbers as mm-hmm. opposed to like board position. Because it's just not as important as part right. of the game. Did you know what the um, conserve battery mode is? No, what's that? I, I looked it up. Conserve battery mode reduces the frame rate by half. So it runs at 60 frames per second normally. Nice. That's pretty I, smart. Makes, yeah, it makes a huge difference. I do think that the game takes too long to start up, though. Yeah, I never play two games in a row. That's too tiresome. Oh, wait, really? Unless I do a shitty job. Like, if I have a good game, like, mm-hmm. you know, A9, 10,000, I can't. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to start yeah, over. Yeah, that, that's fair. Boring. If I get, like, 7,000, I'll go again. But, like, the load time on the game, just, I don't know what it's loading. Like, what what is taking so long? Because it, like, shows up with the title and, like, the threes, like, T-H-R-E pops yeah, up. Yeah, it does take forever to load like up. splash Like, cold. Load up that sick music. Okay, so let's move on. So uh, yeah. it's interesting you're playing this because you have you've dived into a new brave new frontier of not being able to play cell phone games. I know, right? I purchased an Android phone. I'm also eating a Oreo cookie dough cookie. Okay, um, Un- both maybe. unrelated, correct? Am I yes, wrong? I don't. I don't have an Android phone, so I don't know if they come with Oreos or no. They they do not come with Oreos. At least this okay. one doesn't. I don't know. Okay. Some of it, this one has like more of a stock version of Android on it, but I think maybe Samsung comes with Oreos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got tired of my iPhone, and my my screen was cracked. So so you have to get a new phone. This well, is pro- I, there are a couple options. One, repair the screen. Mm-hmm. That's like hundred bucks. Two, I was already up my two year contract, so I could get a new phone. And renew my contract. Sure. Or three, do something different. And I decided to buy an off-contract Motorola X, the Moto X, because um, I wasn't sure where we're going to go next. And if I wanted to switch to T-Mobile or something, and I wanted to have a phone that I could use abroad, perhaps, like if I moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I figured if I'm going to invest in a phone, let's just spend the money. So I bought I bought the Moto X. It's really nice. It's smaller than a lot of like the, the big honking Android phones. So I looked at the Nexus 5, which is the Google, like handset, like the Google produced one. And it's just not, 
I don't. It was just too big. It's too much phone. All of them are gigantic, and I I didn't want that. I want something good, pocket sized. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if I was a lady and my phone lived in my purse, those might start to make more sense. But I'm like, I have in my hand all the time. It needs to be a one hander. It's got to fit in my pocket. This has a nice curve back to it. I got the I got the teak wood back, which is actually wood. Nice. It's kind of that's pretty. That's pretty sick. Um. And the thing I like the most about it is... That's funny you like the curve back. Like, I think the iPhones before the 4 are dog butt ugly. Oh, see, and I... I I hate hate, them. I I can't stand the, like, rigid edges of Uh, the iPhone 4 and above. I thought it was really uncomfortable to hold and... Interesting. I I didn't like it, yeah. Um, So I like the curve back. What I like about the Android phone so far... Because I had the Nexus, so I was able to experiment and figure out apps. I have Mm -hmm. apps that I'm happy with for pretty much everything except for 3s. Um... What I like about it is I realize that it's more like a computer than a phone. Like, yes. The like Android paradigm is much closer to like Windows. Right. So, you know, you, you have information between apps that can change things. So I have an, uh, an application called Triggers. And Triggers can look for information on the phone and change things. So it's like, oh, when you're, um, when you're on your Wi-Fi network, turn off mobile data. You don't need mobile data when you're on Wi-Fi. Because mm-hmm. you can still get text messages and calls, but you know it's, your your battery is getting wasted. Like looking for cell phone towers if you're on Wi-Fi. So you're on Wi-Fi, turn it off. You leave Wi-Fi, and it turns back on automatically. Like little things like that, you can set. Isn't and, that how all phones work, though? Uh, not necessarily. Like it it will it'll keep looking for stuff. At least Android phones will keep looking for a mobile mobile data signal. It will not connect to it, like, but it's constantly right. checking to see if it's there, just in case you need it. Okay. Um, and, you know, like I can set, I have a, a video player that I like, and I can set other applications to use that video player instead of their default video players. You know, I, could, I have a different, um, or I could use like a different text messaging app that receives all my text messages. It's just, it's just a different interface. Um, right. So I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm happy with it. I've only had it for a week and a half now. I just got my SIM card for it yesterday. So I've been using it on Wi-Fi previously. Right. As uh, like a... Yeah, a I don't know, a, a, t- a tablet, uh, not a phone. Right. Uh, you know, I had 30 days return window or something. So I figured I might as well integrate this into my life and see how it works. And I'm very mm-hmm. happy with it. So I have to say, if you are thinking about switching to Android, it is not as scary as as it could be. Sure. I, I was very afraid of switching away from iOS after being, not even just in being the, like, in the In the ecosystem or whatever. Yeah, like I don't use iCloud, but there's like everything about iOS was very comfortable. And, mm-hmm. But I was bored because it was comfortable. So I got yeah. a new phone. I use iCloud for photos, and that's it. Smart. And I use I use Dropbox for the photos. So okay, yeah. I don't take a lot of photos, so like the I, I'm like, well, I'm not using this space, and I use my Dropbox for a ton of shit, and I only got like four or five gig over here. That makes sense. So, um, and le- again, if you are thinking about switching, remember it doesn't play threes. It does. Yeah. I have to keep my other phone around just so. <laughs> But the good thing is that I can turn on airplane mode on that phone. Saves battery life. That's more threes. Yep. Totally. <laughs> All right. So got new phones. We talked about threes. We've oh, had snow no. days. So let's talk about some video games that we played during these days. Okay. It's been three weeks since we've done a podcast. So uh, oh, hopefully a, a lot of games num- are on here. Great number of weeks. Uh, you go first. I've been playing a shit ton of games. I uh, played some threes. Oh, no, threes. Not, let's talk let's, about threes. Let's not talk about threes. Um, let's talk. Oh, where do we start? Um, let's, uh, talk about, let's talk about Uncharted. Yeah. 
Let's talk about Uncharted. Okay, so I I've been kind of wrestling with what to play. Um, played a little bit of, of Persona Four, and it just which wasn't clicking at the moment. Sure, was played a bunch of Nino Cooney, and I liked that a lot. I put about ten hours into that, but it. I kind of got the the like systems of it, and it started to feel very grindy. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, boy, if I'm playing a grindy RPG, I kind of want it to be on the go at this point. And I'm not saying I'll never come back to it or anything, right? It's just- but because it, it, the story's delightful, it looks so so cool. But but at, at the end of the day, you're like, all right, this is a, a very fast moving, extremely well designed role playing game. So I'm like, well, PS4, it's nothing out. I just bought the damn thing. There's nothing <laughs> out. Um, but I just got this PS3, and I've had some good luck playing some of the hits, right? Played Last of Us. That was great. Mm-hmm. Just played Metal Gear Solid 4. Talked about that last time. That was great. So I'm like, I should probably play, you know, you know, uh, looking at what else is on the PS3 that's like a massive game I haven't played. Uncharted 2 probably comes to mind next for me. Um, widely Game of the year all over the place in 2009. Yep. Um, I'm like, all right, I should probably play that. But I'm like, well... If I'm going to play Uncharted 2, I might as well play Uncharted 1. So it would go with the logic. So it would go with the logic. Just like I, when I got my Xbox 360, not having an Xbox, I did this with Halo. I played the whole series um, in a row and found it to be an extremely interesting and fun experience. Yeah. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing with Uncharted. I already have Uncharted 3 because it's a PlayStation Plus game. PlayStation 1 and 2. By the way, if you're in the market for those games, dirt cheap. <laughs> I bet. Unch- uh, I went to GameStop. They were lousy with copies. Uncharted 2 was $6. Uncharted 1 was $10. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I've um, at this point played Uncharted 1 now in its entirety. And that was an extremely interesting experience. Yeah, so Uncharted 1 is a little rough around the edges, which is why Uncharted 2 got such... I mean, Uncharted 2 is a good game. <laughs> But it also got, uh, you know, rave reviews because of its improvements over Uncharted 1. Yeah. Like, the formula for Uncharted 1 seems to work. You're like, okay, there's... Absolutely. There's climbing, which is cool. Yep. It's cinematic. It's not Very as, much, very much so. But it's like, you know, not as much so as 2. And then there's third-person shooting. Which is kind of terrible. Not good. So, I, I can't tell, and I'm interested to play the rest of the series because... It brought to light a couple things. Uh, it's an older game, right? It's 2007. Yeah, it's that's old. But th- it's a year after Gears of War, which is has its own share of problems, but the combat's fantastic. Right. Uh, but that's all that game was trying to do. And, but to be fair, it's a lot of what Uncharted is trying to do. Of all the things you do, you are in combat more than anything else. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Um. I also can't tell if it really put in a sharp focus what a hunk of junk the DualShock 3 is. I was just going to say the same thing. Holy shit. I've thought about... Um, I know that the the DualShock 4 has limited compatibility with some games, especially newer PS3 games, and I want to see if it works with Uncharted 2 or 3. Because, yeah. man, oh, man, those sticks and those triggers... I think I think it's the sticks worst of all. Yep, um, absolutely. It was the same problem on the, the DualShock 2. That's why all... You know, shooters sucked on there as well. Like, right, but you couldn't have a Halo on there. But there weren't nearly as many. I mean, even um, the Xbox had Halo, but it w- really wasn't until this generation that it was like shooter focused. Oh yeah, you know? sure. Um, the, it, 
it, it ended up working fine. Kind of like games that are not bad, but kind of workable. You learn how to play that specific type of game, mm-hmm. and you kind of learn the quirks. It's so getting past the the controller and how funky the aim was. I actually had to turn the aim sensitivity up all the way. Because otherwise, I found myself like the mouse going like, Meh, oh really, like, crawling, huh. yeah, um, and that helped a little bit. The AI is also like super unfair. Yes, um, like they the when you look at characters move, they don't move like regular people. They'll like dance, like shuffle back and forth like this without their legs moving sometimes, like yeah, too it, fast. Yeah. Um, there's also the they do a really bad job. Of, so there, there always need to be like the illusion of spawn points, right? Like you hit some invisible barrier, which triggers enemies to come. Sure. So they're coming out of a door somewhere or from exactly. behind something. Right. Halo does a really good job of this. Um, I thought I thought played just Last of Us. That does a great job of that. It was totally transparent. Like I know that's happening somewhere in the computer program, but I don't see it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking terrible in Uncharted. You'll literally like wipe out an entire room and then like turn a narrow corner and there's like three dudes right there and you're like did you like <laughs> did, you that hear me? did you not did you not hear me it got to the point where like i would die and fi- I, I figured out exactly where the wall was that caused enemies to spawn so i could throw a grenade spawn them and then they would blow up oh, like it was like oh, i'll just that's what i mean like i can just game this game yeah like which is you know you have a right to do that considering how mediocre that combat is so the game, though, I, 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 uh, I'll shit all over the combat. Uh, it kind of ended up being okay for, for most of it. The game itself is really great. Like You can see these kind of like what high production values looked like at the beginning of the generation. Mm-hmm. And it looks, it looks fantastic. Like The atmosphere is great. It gets a little, I'm excited that 2 and 3 do multiple locales, which it's, Uncharted doesn't. Yeah, so remind me, Uncharted is just the temple? It's just jungle temple. Okay. And obviously it's very big. Like the game is actually quite long and you're moving through different locations, but it's all very like the same, you know, ruins, Aztec type ruins type things. Um, I like that it goes supernatural at the very end. Okay, so remind me of the ending of this one because I can't remember which one had the ending that I absolutely despised. Uh, they they kind of pull like uh, an Indiana Jones type of thing where you're going through like 80% of the game mm-hmm. looking for the, the main thing is you're searching for um, uh, Sir Francis Drake's like treasure thing. Uh, okay. okay. And it ends up being this like metal coffin type thing. And the coffin has some sort of like gas that turns people into monsters. So is, so is it the blue monsters? No, they're pink. Okay. They're like uh like kind of gangly. They're like humanoid looking monsters. I just don't remember that. So uh, they like they like kind of crawl around like this. Like they monkeys. got like 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 monkey yeah, like uh, yeah, kind of like monkey walking, but uh Okay. They walk around on all fours and I had I kind of remembered that. I'm think probably thinking of two. The so. story was like some old Spanish colonists from a long time ago, like hundreds of years ago found this and they opened it up and because you're thinking like well, how did all these people die oh mm-hmm. my god they didn't die they were just transformed into these monsters um uh, but that's cool because they don't like reveal that it's supernatural at all till like way late in the game okay yeah i kind of like that i'm like all right that's, i think i think that, that one upset me less than at the end of uncharted 2 okay but when, yeah once you play that game we'll have to discuss that ending but it's cool the stuff you know you can see 
the promise of the Uncharted series and Uncharted 1, but I played Uncharted 2 first. Yeah. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. And so Uncharted 2 opens up with a scene of like you sneaking around like a palace of some sort. Okay, and- see, I've, I actually played the opening of Uncharted 2. It starts um, like in the middle of story, like you're hanging from a train that has fallen off of a cliff in the oh, yeah. like Himalayas. Yes. And it, and it intercuts between you like climbing up to like making some plan on a tropical island mm-hmm. with a dude and like your girlfriend who is also the other guy's girlfriend. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and then like cuts back and forth between that. So it may be, it may be the first like sequence after that, which is it, whatever it was, the game seemed to me like it was going to be a stealth game where I could like sneak around ledges and pull down enemies kind of Assassin's okay. Creed style. And that there was going to be less shooting because I didn't I didn't know what to expect. So I didn't know that it was going to be a third person shooter game. Uh, and I was disappointed at that point when I realized that that oh, no, was not just... like a viable way of doing combat at all. Yeah, no, it's a third person shooter. Yeah. So I eventually had to give in to that, which made playing Uncharted 1 a little bit easier because I knew what to expect. There is a good amount of, um, I don't know what to call it, like traversal sequences, yeah. like kind of puzzly stuff. Very reminiscent of the Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia type stuff. And that mm-hmm. all works quite well. That's pretty fun. Um, light puzzle solving. The controls are pretty good. Um, and it makes, again, like shows the production values or gives value to the high production values, right? Because you're mm-hmm. going through all these big, beautiful scenes. There's a couple parts where the game, I think, is too ambitious for itself. Hmm. Um, and that is specifically on these um, jet ski sequences. Do you remember these? I don't. So it's very confusing. You are driving a jet ski, and this reporter girl who's tagging along with you is on back of you. Mm-hmm. And, he, and so you need to, like, go through this waterway and... There's fire, there's like exploding barrels in the river, and then there's dudes shooting at you. And Nathan keeps yelling at her to shoot people, but nothing happens. So I kept like driving, like, what do I do? Till I realize like, oh, I have control of the gun. But but you can't use the gun and the accelerator at the same time. (laughs) Great. So these weird, like, what I would imagine to be like a, a fast sequence where... You know, I would expect the, like, so on, there's, there's other sequences in this game in a million games where like, she's driving a Jeep and you're on the back with a gun, like shooting people. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine this to be like the opposite of that, right? Like uh, it's my job to navigate the fire barrels and keep us relatively safe. And she's going to like clear a path, maybe shoot these guys. Yeah. It's good. No. Like in GTA five, you could do that. Exactly. No. Like if I hold down, like aim and shoot, it like goes to her perspective and I'm shooting people as her but it's all in one controller. Mm -hmm. So it becomes less a game like that. And honest to God, like any other sequence where I need to navigate my jet ski into cover and then like shoot people and barrels and then drive again. Never done anything like it. (laughs) And again, once I realized that that's what I had to do, it kind of became okay. Like a finishable. I think they polished that stuff out for, they must two. have. They must have. Because it's one of those things you're like, oh, this is just bad game design. Like, yeah. this is not. Who, who this thought been this unacceptable was okay? Then. Right. Even then. Yeah. Um, also, I, I, had, I remembered after I had started to get frustrated at, at it that the Uncharted series had a reputation for the enemies being bullet sponges. Yes. And I wasn't. I can't. I mean. Not prepared. Not prepared for how stupid it is. Like. 
15 shots with an AK-47 and somebody doesn't die. Yeah. I, uh, I think part of the problem might be that you think you're hitting somebody, but you're not. Like, I think there's a shoot people, then there's some sort of, like, I got hit animation, and I think they're invulnerable. Huh. And I And this is because the number of shots it would take to kill somebody when I, I was very confident I hit somebody that like was very close yeah. was wildly different. And there's not that many character models in the game. So I, I assume they all just take the same amount. Um, and I could also tell like if I get a headshot on somebody, it was pretty reliable. Um, but it was really wildly different. And I could also definitely tell when you're fighting the monsters late in the game, there's parts where they're, crawling out of tubes or out of the water Mm -hmm. and they're clearly invulnerable during that sequence something flips like once that animation's done that i can then shoot them right you can't just take care of them in the in the like while they're coming up yeah so i wonder if that is part of it which is super dumb also like halfway through the game when they start throwing guys in body armor at you (sighs) i'm like come the fuck on yeah really this was already like too difficult now you've basically just doubled it so i wrote a, a book chapter recently for um I think it's coming out and I'm talking about difficulty in video games Mm -hmm. and I I throw out this concept of meaningful difficulty, which is difficulty that makes you reconsider the way that you are playing the game as the difficulty changes. And I use uncharted as the the terrible example of all we did was like pump up these numbers such that it takes more bullets to hit a thing as opposed to, you know, the halo way, which is not only do, you know, um, elites have like a new shield on them but they behave in a different way and they move with different enemies and they're smarter and they seem smarter right or or i even think that the call of duty way is better where people go down very fast but they just there's just way 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 more enemies yeah that like come in different waves and stuff it's that i found is a feel it feels better well as as you move on to uncharted 2 i'm going to be interested to see not remembering those games very much, uh, how they how they stack up to or with each other. It already looks a lot better, and Uncharted One looks very good. But it definitely it, once you put on your like, this game is like seven years old mm-hmm. filter. You're like, oh wow, this is very impressive. Yeah, like this is looking very very good for an, an early game of the generation. And Uncharted Two already looks much better. Well, I've also been playing a game where I'm going around the jungle climbing ruins. Hey, I have. So since the last podcast, I've started Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah, you've been playing a lot of it. I played a lot of it. Um, not so much in the last week because I had a, a chapter due for my dissertation, but I uh, played a bunch of it and it's just it's great. It's just fantastic. Like it still has some of the Assassin's Creed dumb stuff in it that, uh, you know, like you're trying to like run up something or you're not trying to run up something and then you accidentally run up something or the the animation is a little weird and you go like you you jump up on a ledge instead of you know to ta- to try and attack somebody like just the little things that make assassin's creed kind of janky um but in general like the whole presentation of the game is is totally awesome maybe i had started playing it last time i think just a tiny bit because i feel like i remember talking about it yeah but anyway assassin's creed black flag has totally captured my attention um i think i'm like 40 percent done with the game so I don't know how to really what that what that means. It does, it's pretty meaningless because that it, that factors in all like all of the collectibles, right. all the side stuff. You do get a pretty substantial bump for missions. Okay. So so it's not like a mission is worth the same as oh yeah I found all the treasure chests on this island. Right. So the the last big mission that I remember happening was 
um, the raid on North Carolina. I won't spoil okay. it. Yep. The raid on North Carolina. And then I went back out into the Abstergo thing and hacked a computer and, and went back in and I'm sailing around again. Um, my, my fleet is looking pretty good. And so as I was playing the game, it's, you have access to your fleet, which is any number, a, a certain number of ships that you can buy or you capture them. And then you have effect, like spots where you can dock them. And throughout the game, you earn these gems, which allows you to have more ships and ships can run on missions uh, outside of what you're doing. So you just send them on missions and there's a whole separate sub sub screen for it in your cabin. And I thought like this, like little game that they have here would make an awesome second screen app. I'd never thought I would ever say something like that in my life. So this is perfect for it, right? Like it's something I can do. They take a certain, like they actually take like a, I won't call it real time, but you know, they take hours to do depending on how far you're going when you're sending your, your fleet out on these missions. So I was like, this would be great. Like do a bit of it offline, go back in the game, collect the rewards, whatever. Come to find out totally is a second screen app for it. Black flag companion app that has Kenway's fleet. And so I would like wake up in the morning and collect, collect my, you know, my bounties, my booty, and then send my ships back out. And then I could come back in the afternoon to like sit down and play the game and actually spend that money. It's the first time I've ever said, maybe, maybe there is something to these second screen apps. Like, yeah, it's like a, a mini game and a management thing, but it, it was perfect. It's a super smart application of something they've been doing in the Assassin's Creed series for a long time. This is the exact same thing as the like Assassin's Guild sure. missions, um, though definitely like where you're like there's a you're sending things out to attack other stuff, and it's all in like mini maps. Mm -hmm. But it's been fleshed out and improved quite a bit since its first introduction, and it was awesome on its first introduction. But the addition of the second screen map. I definitely makes it even I think when you would be playing the game a lot more fun or oh, sure. less cumbersome than just having to go down into your like captain's chambers every time. Right. Like there's no there's no good reason that I can't just like hit a menu anywhere in the game to do that. Like why do I have to be on my ship? So, Absolutely. You, while playing it, it was fun. And it was also nice to be able to do something while not playing it. Like, well, you know, I would like to make some upgrades later. And by sending out these these things on these missions like that's just a little bit easier kind of streamlines that process the game does gate you like you can't just run up a ton of money um because while money is valuable the materials you use to build ships like um cloth wood and particularly metal gets in the way so your your other ships aren't really like pulling back those resources they're just getting you dollars um and then you also have to hit a certain story point in which you can upgrade your ship to the elite level like the final level so i stopped playing the second screen thing because i had a ton of money but i had not gotten the elite plans for anything so i'd fully upgraded yeah up to the gated I, point i never got any elite plans for anything oh really at some at some point i like uh my ship was more than strong enough to fight anything i wanted to fight mm -hmm. um i not to be fair i didn't tackle any of the like whatever yeah. the like man of war ships yeah. um and i was like yep i just kind of want to play the game at this point that's fair i i really enjoy the the naval combat so i do a lot of that yeah, yeah the naval combat is fun it, well you still have to do a shit ton of it to get that damn metal oh yeah. always low on metal god oh, damn it god. always low on metal i got wood coming on my ass <laughs> i know right Ugh. i would just like sail around i'm like all right find a ship with metal find a ship with metal the best is so there's there's a pattern that you can establish when you're doing naval combat which is when you when you destroy a ship 
that you've been fighting with, you have the option to either sink it and collect part of the resources, right? or you can board it. And when you board it, um, you get the full amount of resources, and you can either send it to your fleet, you can use it to... <laughs> hey! <laughs> I love those guys. I want to, uh, okay. Same animation every time. And it's the same two character models, even though their outfits and like hats might be totally yeah. different. I, I told Jay that we should have cosplayed as those two guys at MacFest. <laughs> just walk around going like, eh! Yeah. Um, or, or you can um, salvage and repair your ship with it. But you can board and do all this in the middle of combat with a bunch of ships so yeah. like you have four ships around you and you're getting low in health like you finish off one you board it and like everything because it's just fucking stop it, it's totally stupid the other ships do not attack you while you're boarding right. that i did that all the time it's, and it's you kind of have to in early combat right and then you're like okay prepare myself and then it's like right immediately back into combat as if yeah. nothing had happened yeah fully healed <laughs> ship they haven't healed though yep. for any damage you may have done to those ships um but I just, I really love everything about it. I'm just having so game. much fun pirating and exploring the world. I like the sense of adventure that being on the high seas grants you. Like, knowing that there's a part of the world that I need to get to and it's going to be tougher as I move to the south. Yep. Um, and I also enjoy just exploring islands, too. Like, oh, yeah. The, the way they've segmented out these smaller areas for collectibles is really smart. Um, the that's always been a massive strength of the Assassin's Creed series is the world building, mm-hmm. the like way the environments have felt very like lived in and real and fun to explore and run around. It's always been the best part. And uh, that has n- maybe never been better than in Assassin's Creed 4, where the world feels fucking massive. Mm-hmm. And that sense of discovery is even new. Like once you get to a brand new island, you're like, what's going to be here? How yeah. how much is it going to hold? It's going to hold like two treasure chests. Or is there going to be like actual missions to do here? Right. I, I like that a lot. It's it's just, it's so much fun. It is just a super fun game. Super fun game. I mean, yeah, those games have been so refined at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know what they, where they go from here, but I'll still play those games. Yeah. Speaking of Naughty Dog. Okay. Uh, so uh, I went right from Uncharted to uh, an old game to a brand new game. Came out uh, Friday, uh, Valentine's Day. The, uh, Le- the Last of Us Left Behind. This is the one and only um, single-player DLC for The Last of Us. Uh, I won't say much because it's super story-driven like the game is, but you play as Ellie, mm-hmm. uh, the little girl character. And the setup is really neat. There's a, a moment in the game where uh, she uh, she goes off and does her own stuff, and you play that part. But it is interspersed with uh, her before meeting Joel. Okay. Uh, as a younger person and you kind of so it, it kind of works as this uh, and kind of what you're seeing um, at, you know puts into I don't know it sheds a lot of light on her character and reflects back to her motivations in the you know quote unquote present I guess sure um, and why she cares so much about Joel and stuff it's a really really worthwhile I think essential piece of content if you liked The Last of Us the production value seemed just as high. It doesn't seem like any kind of cheap DLC or anything. Cool. Uh, I still like that that combat a lot. Um, I played through the entire thing without firing a gun ever. That sounds ki- that's awesome. Which kind of became like a self imposed challenge at some point. Sure. Because uh, in most of that game, like I think the stealth is really good. So I just was like, well, I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna fight. There's parts where you have to fight, but I found it became 
much more exciting to like systematically sneak up and, and kill people. Mm-hmm. The animation is also great because the way she like does her stealth kill, she's like a short little girl, right? So she jumps up on people, puts her arm around them, and then stabs them three times in the like neck and back, <laughs> and, and, and then jumps off. All right. So could couldn't get enough of watching that. That, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, but it's very it's very well written. Um, a neat you know. I think I said when I played the first game, like there's, we seem to be kind of knee deep in these post-apocalyptic type stories. Um, and, and this, this kind of prequel half is very much like there's, uh, uh, just like her being a kid and like, like they're kind of this moment like, where she's like going from kid to adult, making mud pies and scraping her knees. Yeah. But like, you know, how would life re- really work in a post-apocalyptic setting? And again, this game's already set like far after the apocalypse has happened. Making so. mud pies and scraping your knees. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, I thought it was very, very good. Cool. Probably took me three hours or so. A good, good piece of content. Um, um so okay, we have a bunch of stuff here. I will let you. First off, I you, can bang through a couple of these pretty fast. Yeah, tell me about because oh, I thought you, I thought this was fable, not fables. Oh so, yeah, no, this is the second chapter of the fable, uh, Wolf Among Us, mm-hmm. the Telltale uh, adventure game based on the Fables comic. It's still great. I don't know. I don't know how much to say about it. Um, uh, it's a fun like like d- d- detective story. And I think that it makes it feel immediately very different from The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. some other adventure games. Cool. Um, still super good. Um, I play jazz punk. What is jazz punk? Okay, so what I was thinking about... Remember we were talking Game of the Year and... Do I ever. Ta- talking about Gone Home. Yes. And I said one of the things I liked most about Gone Home, besides it being a really good game for its own merits, but it's this promise of first person experiences in video games that aren't shooter driven. Okay. Yeah. So in that sense, that's exactly what jazz punk is. Jazz punk is this kind of, uh, game of non sequiturs. All right. Where you are ostensibly some sort of detective being sent on these missions that you go on by taking a hallucinogenic pill. Okay. And there are these missions you have to save kind of adventure gamey, like style like figuring out these kind of light puzzles and uh it's got this very like you know it opens with a very like soul bassy type like intro and and poppy music and like yeah the visual i saw stuff i saw a little bit of the video and the visual style is very unique it's got that it yeah the 50s 60s modernism plus iconography and also like a soviet Yes, to it. totally. Very much like, like spy, uh, spy 60s, spy 60s, uh, like th- through like movie lens. Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody you know, like wanted to romanticize it I, or I don't know, but it's but that that's kind of the wrapper. And then there's all kinds of like side things you can do by talking to people that introduce these total nonsense, non sequitur type things. So it's just supposed to be kind of a, a funny game. Or- it's very funny. Um, very clever. Um you you just kind of have to roll with it. Uh, there's like a weird wedding first person shooter at some point. There's like a Frogger clone at some point. Uh, there's all kinds of odd like pizza jokes at some point. It, oh, I do like it's pizza. really it's really worth playing. Like if you, I, um, I bought it. 
you should play it. Uh, I think it was it's like 12 15 bucks. Uh again kind of this like new 3 hour type experience. I I think I think it is charming as all hell. Really wildly funny. Again kind of to say much more about it uh, is to, like anything specific is to is to spoil things. But yeah. if you if you like that kind of like I don't know indie vibe or sure. or legitimate humor in your video games, fresh things. Uh not it's, just it's really delightful. Humor that's referencing the internet. Yeah, no, it's much. Nope, there's much more clever than that. Great, sold, done. <laughs> That's all it all it takes at this point. Yeah, it's really good. All right, neat. So you and I did play a little multiplayer gaming a couple weekends ago. Yeah, I forgot we played some Tiny Tina. Button that up. Yes. So we we more beat, or less we've not finished all the quests and but we we finished the story for Tiny Tina. Finished the main story. Assault on Dungeon Keep. Yeah, yes. So blah. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing we haven't done we haven't fought the like big super challenging boss right. that they've been introducing in each of the DLCs. And I think there's a handful of other things we need to clean up. Yeah, I do think you're right. There's a couple more side quests, but um, which we should do. We both hit level 50 during the course of yeah, playing that. Yeah, that was great. That was that was really great. Yeah. That is a hell of a piece of DLC. Man. Not only is it long as shit, it's also the best piece of, of DLC in Borderlands 2. It's... I, I think it may be the best piece of Borderlands DLC. I think it's better than Claptrap. Oh boy, I love Claptraps though. But um, Claptrap's yeah. a little bit tighter. Sure. Well, th- Ti- but th- well, this is dragged at the end. This this was long, but it it was because it was so difficult in places, like unforgivingly, right. brutally unfair. Holy shit! So it is you know set in a fantasy universe where they are playing Dungeons and Dragons. So all the enemies in it have a fantasy bent to them, which means that there can be wizards that become invulnerable and archers that shoot hails of arrows from, you know, across the screen where you can't even see them. Don't forget the wizards that would just like make domes of raining ice shards. Oh yeah. And instant and like kill you instantly if you're in there. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, can you come rescue me? I'm like, well, the flying ice shards are still there. So no, because I'll die immediately yeah. if I walk in. Oh, God. Dragons. Lots of dragons. We died a lot. But, we died uh, a lot, but it was all worth it. In general, in yes. Really well done. So I've, I've been mucking about with a bunch of games because I was playing Black Flag. That's my big game. But mm-hmm. I was looking for something to fill the Persona void. Which, can anything fill that void? Well, I'll tell you one thing that could fill that void. Okay. I'm on the 67th episode of the Persona 4 Endurance. Oh, my Trapon. God. Just throw that on in the background. Like, that I, stuff's so good. I think it's some of the funniest stuff they've ever done. I will I will put it on and not watch the video. I just listen to it because I know what's going on. Right. Um. So, yeah, chugging along through that. I tried a couple other things. I played a little Persona 3 uh, or Persona 3 Portable. Okay. I had a I had a save that I had started after I finished Persona Three on the PS2, and I was playing as the lady. And I jumped in and did like a little dungeoning and a couple days in school. It's like, yeah, I just don't feel like I should pick up at this point. Um, not ready to go back to that one yet. I was playing Final Fantasy VIII, and that game is just too weird for me. Ah, it's like, so good. It's it's cool. It's interesting. I like a lot about it, but because it is older there's stuff that I just wish were streamlined to make everything go faster and, yeah. and more intelligible. Mm. And enough. I just, I, I don't think I can finish that one. Um, so I don't know what to play handheld. 
So I played a little bit of this game called Surge Deluxe, which is a PSN game for the Vita, which is a puzzle game, which seemed kind of cool until threes came out and totally ruined any promise that Surge Deluxe had of being a like color tile matching game. Absolutely. Um, I played some Fractured Soul on the 3DS. Okay. That is one. It is. Do you remember the game Outland for the Xbox Live? Where it's yeah. like you're the you're the character and you Ikaruga style like jump between the blue and the red. For that game was awesome, yeah, and it was sort of like a Metroidvania yeah. e thing. Yep. So this is this is a platformer in the same switching back and forth sense, except there are two universes, and on the top screen you can see some stuff, and on the bottom screen you can see other stuff. So it's not just about like hitting the button to switch, but also which screen you're paying attention to. So like on the bottom screen there's no platform over a pit, but on the top screen there is. So like you have to like jump and switch universes so that your character appears on the top screen. So the bottom screen now land on the platform and like move back and forth. Um, huh. It's, it's really cool. It's, it is certainly a first generation 3ds game. You could tell the production values aren't that high. Like they're just kind of figuring out how to do it. So, you know, it doesn't have a cool atmosphere. You play as a regular ass robot. I don't know what the story is. Um, it's more about just, you know, showing off what the technology can do. That was kind of cool. Didn't play that too much. Uh, tried playing some RPGs, like starting up some RPGs. Okay. So Running on, through them. On the 3DS, uh, level five, they produced a bunch of ga- like random games, which are on sale right now, by the way. Um, oh. Starship Damray, and then this game, which is Crimson Shroud. Um, and Crimson Shroud is a tabletop role-playing game where you play as the figures and there's, you know, a dungeon master who's kind of narrating everything that's going on to you, but you are the characters in the world, but like you are little like figures that you have, you have a base that you're on. So you're not animated. Like you just kind of like turn back and forth and wiggle and shake um, to show your emotions. So it was like a way of doing an RPG with, and the RPG like combat mechanics without having to animate an entire RPG. So right. they basically saved on that part of it so they could focus more on the combat. And the combat seems okay, but it didn't suck me in immediately. So put that down for a little while. You mentioned that Persona 2 was on sale. I did. I take full responsibility. Persona 2. Half, half off. Yeah, half off. Five bucks. Persona 2 Eternal Punishment um, on the PSP. And it's a PS1 game, right? Oh yeah, uh, yes, maybe yes. I think they remade the first part as a PS of Persona Two as a, a PSP, PSP game. This was a PS1 game right. now on PSN. Okay. Yes, you're correct. Okay, so I was like, well, I'd like to see. I know it's very different. I've been told it's very different. Salosi mentioned to me I probably won't like it because it doesn't have the stuff that I like about the other Persona games. There's no social linking, so... Um, it uses the other SMT way of getting demons, which is like talking to them like they do in SMT4 and yeah, other other yep. games in the series. So there's like a murder in a high school, and you are a detective, or you know, you're a reporter, and you go there to try to figure out what's going on. You figure out you can summon Personas. So you go into the... I went into the first battle, and I hadn't saved in a little while. You could save anywhere, but I'd forgotten to. Went into the first battle... And I was trying to negotiate with the demons and like I, I just didn't figure it out. And it was basically unforgiving. Like if you didn't get it right on the first try, they would just kill you. So I tried, they got mad, they killed me, game over. 
I didn't remember when I had last saved. I'm never playing that game again. Oh God. <laughs> it's just like, it just didn't seem like it was going to be worth it. So sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. So I've been, I've been dabbling in those things. I need to find something to play handheld and I just don't know what that is. I played three hours of the bravely default demo. Yeah. I bought bravely default. <laughs> good. Good for you. I would like to play oh, that. Oh, it's so good. That combat system, like half an hour in, I was like, Oh no. Oh, this is like maybe my favorite combat system. It's awesome. I played some of the demo too. Oh my God. It still really bothers me that you use the D pad to navigate menus, but the circle pad to walk around. So you have to constantly think, switch your hands. I think I knew know why they did that because there are times when you can use both. When like there's a menu on the bottom and you are still up at the top. Huh? So like, it would make it, you like it, the input wouldn't know what to do, like what you meant with each if you just like went to D pad or just went to circle pad. But in your experience, was there a way that those two things just could have been separated out so it didn't matter? Like, do you need to be doing both at once, or is it just that you can do both at once? Like, is there an advantage to having? I don't know. I can't. I would need to play the game more to give a definitive answer. But no, I can't think of one right now. It just, a, a good it reason. It felt why so now. weird to be moving my hand, and you have to shift the whole DS. I found because the way that my thumb, like the way my thumb sits on the circle pad, I can't reach the D pad from there. So I have to move my whole huh. hand down to hit the D pad. I I mainly just did a lot of leveling, playing with the different jobs. I love it is it is straight out of Final Fantasy five with, with a little bit of a twist in that. Um, so Final Fantasy five, you have a current job and then you can slot one of the like other jobs abilities mm-hmm. there. So basically you get two jobs here. That's the same, except you can slot passive abilities as well. So it's like I would also like to be the CEO of Pixar. Well, it would be. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it's more like, all right, I'm going to have my dragoon abilities and my thief abilities, but I'm going to have the counter passive skill from the swordsman. Or I'm going to have the like protect passive skill. So I haven't played five, but I loved job system stuff in tactics advance. Yeah. The sounds that all, that also like comes exactly from that. That's that's what I assumed. This sounds awesome. I mean, it's, it's that one little job system. Yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah, like one little addition. No, it's okay. But that, the reason I bring up five is the job system has been in a bunch of games like three and five, um, 10 to all the, all the tactics games, but five is the most closely analogous for how they're using it in turn-based games. Mm-hmm. It's great. Everybody should buy it. I'm buy- I bought it. It does look really cool. Mm-hmm. The graphics are fantastic, or the let's say the art style. It's that same type of thing they were going with, where they're like uh, the Final Fantasy three DS remake. Kind of, I don't even know what they look like. It's a very distinctive, cartoony type style. Yeah, it. Rem- um, it's like they took the the cherub characters from Theatrhythm, but then made them yep. these like they like un- undid them like again. Big. Yeah. So they're yeah. not they're not cutesy. They're not like regular characters that have been made ch- nope. like cutesy or chibi, not cherub, chibi. They're like chibi characters that have been extracted into like more full models, but they still have a little cartoony vibe to them. Exactly. It's great. And it's like so it's crazy how like dedicated this is like I, I think the Final Fantasy game everybody wanted, which is what everybody's saying, because it like feels like an old game to the point where there is no active time battle. 
Like, hell no. Uh-huh. You, like, pick your four attacks, and then it goes. Um, right. I'm sure I'll have more to talk about, like, the details when I play it for real, but... I got the Amazon page game. pulled up. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll just pull the trigger. All right, I'm just pulling, pulling trigger. Yay! Um, yeah, that's it. We've been playing a lot of games. Well, you played a lot of games. I played a I bunch did play, of I played a lot of games. I'm playing a fucking lot of games. So let's, uh, let's talk about some news. Yeah, news. Are we interested? You asked here. Are we interested in talking about Flappy Bird? I think this. Uh, you said we should. We should talk about not talking about it. I think the story that I linked here is probably the good reason not to talk about Flappy Bird. So, not only has it been uh, talked to death, but there's a new story here from Gamespot that Fallout Boy is set to release their own Flappy Bird game um, called Fallout uh, Bird. That's that's not as good as Sesame Street's clone Flappy Bert. That. That was also cool. And really hard because Bert is tall. Yeah. Um, there's the super hexagon flappy version. Uh-huh. That was yep. all right. Yeah. That was all right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so last time we met, we uh, it was on hot, hot off the heels of Nintendo uh, releasing some disappointing financials. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came out uh, kind of uh, a couple weeks later following that up saying, all right, here's what we're going to do to get back on our feet. So they said, we're not going to cut the price code of the Wii U, but we, we do need to really focus on the Wii U's unique abilities, that, that gamepad. You know, we, yeah. were, we were hot off the gate. Like, we think the Wii success was about, we said, we have this wackadoo controller. Here's why it's important, and we did a great job. We've not really done that at all with the Wii U. Um, so they didn't give any specifics, but they said, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to focus on making that more important. We're going to put Miyamoto on it. Um vague promises about cell phones that Nintendo network ID is going to come to phones, some sort of app, um, not necessarily putting games on apps, but, but having some sort of like a Nintendo channel, let's say where you can watch movies or be able to buy stuff or some sort of maybe access to me verse using mobile phones as an advertising platform. Exactly. Um, they're like Mario Kart eight. We'd already announced it. It is still going to come out. Yeah. Um, that's a Wii U game. Um, they said that we figured out how to put DS games on the virtual console for the Wii U. Because we, we've got these we two figured s- out. We figured it out. We've already got these two screens, so we're gonna do that. Um and that doesn't then, seem like, like that will work. That seems like uh, a bad idea. <laughs> I whatever. Um then they said kind of the most radical one was that we're going to like if if we're currently playing in two spaces, the console and the handheld, we're going to play in a third one, and that is this like health focused type of device. A third, de- they didn't really get much more specific, but saying like playing off of this kind of ecosystem of physical and mental health games that they've had success with, right? Like We Fit and Brain Age. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make some sort of device. It won't be like a wearable type of thing. So a uh, you know, clip or wristband or glass or strap or whatever. That's, you know, all the rage strap on, but we're going, we're going to push into this kind of market. That to me is less crazy than, than the putting 3d or putting DS games on. It actually seems like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like it it sounds at first blush, it sounds like it would be totally out of left field. But when you think about the success that they've had with, the games that you mentioned like yeah like and no one else is doing that either no one is making those no. kinds of games it also just seems smart from a company like what if disney like only made 
like one cartoon movie a year. Like that's cool. That's kind of what Nintendo does. And if that movie's a blockbuster smash, two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And if that movie doesn't, you know, fire on all cylinders as well, like a home on the range, let's say. <laughs> Like, like may, maybe, uh-oh, we had a bad year. Right. Like, you should probably diversify a little bit, do some different things. Diversification is not, by the way, like Mario and Zelda. You need a little <laughs> bit of different things. So, so uh, like, I don't have any interest in that, but it actually makes total sense. Um, I think it's pretty disappointing to people in that, like, you know, there's, there's some obvious things they could do on the gaming front that would make us happy. I don't know if it would be better um, financial sense in the long term. Like, uh, you know, I want the ability to play, like, their whole back catalog on my 3DS. That's what I want. Okay? Yep. Um, so, they also had other news from Nintendo they Direct. Did. That's true. They announced that Game Boy Advance games are coming to the Wii U Virtual Console. So, you can play those mobile games on your couch. Which which Virtual Console are they coming from? The Wii U. The, the one you plug in your TV. Yeah, the TV one. Okay, not the portable one. Right, but it has a portable part. It has the thing that you could hold that's portable. Okay, but it's still, like, tethered to my... Well, yeah. Wirelessly. Like, it's a range. I can't take it in. Okay. So you you can't play your portable games on the go, but you can play your portable games in the living room. So they announced that they're bringing uh, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga. That's a fun one. That's a cool game. That's an outstanding game. That game was a great game. Metroid Fusion, which isn't as good Mm -hmm. as Metroid Zero Mission. I agree with that, but it's still a pretty good game. Yeah, it's not bad. It's. I would like to see how I it blows up. I would say it's up. good. It's. It's. Yeah. It's. It's pretty good. Okay. Um, and then also, Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance Three. A, a Super Nintendo game. <laughs> what the fuck? We're three steps removed from the thing. Why wouldn't? What are they doing? And it's not. If people aren't aware of the, that game, that's just a port. Yeah. It was a perfectly good port and all that, but they there's no, like, extra content. Oh, that's a Super there's, Nintendo game. No graphic rematch. Come My. on. Um, in the world of people apparently still care about Super Smash Brothers, they announced Little Mac. That's a good character to add. Sure. I have zero interest in Smash Brothers. Like, no. I buy it on 3DS. You couldn't... Pay me enough. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I would probably play it on the 3DS. If if I could play with you on a 3DS locally for maybe two months, mm-hmm. that that would be an okay value. If you, if you want to rent a room here for two months, <laughs> <laughs> we could probably make that happen. Uh, following up to their successful NES Remix, they're releasing NES Remix 2. Which seems like yeah. a bad idea. It did. I like Chris Kohler said NES Remix Two now featuring games you actually care about. Yeah. Um, and then, most important for me, a couple of or there, there are two things. Number one, finally getting our Mario Golf World Tour May second. Hey, I'm really excited about that. That's uh that's a 3DS game, right? Yes, 3DS game. They're also yeah. bringing Inazuma Eleven, which is the soccer high school soccer RPG. From level five that I've I tried playing once on a ROM. Oh God! Right. It's a it's a really cool game, but the soccer part of it was no good. So I don't know how this is gonna be. It's like you have to you have to win soccer matches, but playing soccer was not fun. So that's out. So yeah, they got. I don't know. There's at least one 3DS game coming up that I'm excited about. 
Hey, there it is. There it is. Uh, other news. Oh, shit. I need to drive the alarm. Yeah. Woo! I am slightly better than before! Guitar solo! God damn it! So, it's been a while since we, I've done that. I forgot how to do it. <laughs> been a while since the Borderlands alarm, but we need to uh, sound it because Borderlands is in the news this week. Randy Pitchford talking to Polygon. Um, and he said uh, unequivocally, <gasps> yes. Borderlands 3, yes. not in development. Not in development. Come on. Those midgets aren't going to blow their own heads off. Ah, uh, thank you. Come on. I mean, something good. I mean, not yet. I mean, there might be one at some point. Sure. But but he's like, no, we're not working on it right now. Uh, and then they finally announced a date for Borderlands 2 coming to the Vita. Yeah. Which With the new Vita Slim thing. Yeah. Which if I could play that, if we could play that online, that's a decent proposition. That control's not going to be as good as a 360, though. Oh, certainly not. Like, playing it portably, is like, eh, all right, okay, maybe. Okay. But I'm always, I'm always looking to futz about on a portable thing, so. Sure. Uh, and then we'll skip the story about how Steam tags are probably a bad idea. All right, let's close this baby out, shall we? All right, let's do it. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. <laughs> Till you meet another mule skinner. We've been playing a lot of threes. Yeah, it's the greatest game ever made. <laughs> Welcome to Threes Cast, starring three and three. Three year over there. Three year over there. Hey. We, hey, this is low score episode 108. Oh, God. Big episode 108. Man. Bobby, Jay, Bobby, you're over there. I don't know if this format change is going to work, Jay. I, think, I don't know. I think we're going to have to scratch out all of your notes. Oh, man. But in honor of good mobile games, I challenge Jay to come up with the top five iOS games. Top five internet operating system games. Yep. I've done it. Have you done it? I've also done it. So how about it? Number one, the first rule is that threes cannot be on this list. It has to be five things other than threes. Threes is number one, number zero, really. And I don't know if you did it this way, but I also did like, this can't be, these can't be games that primarily appeared elsewhere. Like this has to be like, oh, sure. You can't put like Final Fantasy VI. Sure. Um, At least one or two of my games may have appeared on PC later. But it's primarily yeah. a mo- the mobile game that, that made it happen. Yeah, I think only one of mine appears on PC, but it debuted on iOS. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't you give me your first one? My first one um, is actually by the makers of Threes, which I did not know when I downloaded Threes. Uh, and that's Puzzle Juice. Oh, Puzzle Juice. I like Puzzle Juice a lot. Uh, that of, of the, like, kind of that style of puzzly games, mm-hmm. probably the game I spent the most time with. Uh, if you haven't played Puzzle Juice... It is a combination of Tetris and Boggle, where 
when you get Tetris pieces, they come down, and when you form a line, that line turns into letters. It doesn't disappear like it would in Tetris. Yeah. And to make the pieces disappear, you need to make words. And when you make a word, depending on the length of the word, an explosion happens. So not only do those letters disappear, but surrounding letters will disappear. And it becomes... It's totally different, like, sides of your head, like, trying to make words and make Tetris shapes and... Uh, I found it really, really engaging. The controls worked great. Chaotic. Which is fun. That's the exact reason that I could not play it and did not like that game because my brain just didn't function that way. I couldn't do all of those things at once. I wasn't super good at it. But same kind of like Henry Hatsworth type of thing (laughs) where you've constantly got to switch back and forth. Yeah. But one of of the the hard things about Puzzle Juice is when you're playing Boggle, Tetris is still happening and vice versa. So... Uh, totally wacky game. Everybody should play. Get get themselves some puzzle juice. Are the makers of threes? All right, this one is a classic. And if you ask people to Angry name Angry Birds, huh? Angry Birds. <laughs> Angry Birds. Flappy Bird. No. Uh, if you ask people to name a lot of people to name what their favorite iPhone game is, who aren't the type of people who just play like Candy Crush or Bejeweled, uh, that'd be Drop Seven. Oh, so good. So Drop Seven was the first ios game i remember being just like particularly addicted to like pull it out at every moment that the same thing is happening now as i'm playing threes although threes requires a little more concentration and, and the matches take longer um but drop seven was like every every time i'm standing around doing nothing just pull up my phone and play drop seven um it is a a number or a I don't know how to describe it. It's like a connect four style board and there are tokens on the board that have numbers and if they are in the position of the uh, row that is equal to that number or touching um, tokens equal to that number, then they will either cause that token to disappear if it is um, revealed or if it's hidden, it will crack it. So there's like two levels. So like you, there's a, there's one token on the board that is a full circle and you drop a two next to it and then it cracks in half. And then, if you, the two disappears and the other one like goes from gray to it has a number on it now. Right. And then if that is one, so you drop like a two and next to a one and then two disappears and one disappears. And the more of those numbers in a row that you get, the points cascade. So you can get really high scores. And some people were insanely good at it. I was never great at it, but I had a super fun time with it. That game is a blast. Yeah, you got me into that game too. One of the first ones I had when I got my yeah. iPhone. Um, next game on my list is Wordament. Which you is your word games. Yeah, that's like the only one on my li- other one on my list. So Wordament is a Microsoft game. Um, it's just Boggle. But then the thing I thought was cool about it was you. it was Boggle and you had two minutes to find letters or words. And sometimes there'd be like special modes. But everybody in the world playing is on the same two minute timer. So like if you boot it up, it might be in the middle of a game. And after every two minutes, you would see like your rank, global ranks. So there was, I, I can't believe more games don't kind of do this, but it's just like live, like one versus a hundred style, like community, like joining this game again and again. It was this very cool, like atmosphere. You're so you right. kind of play. Games don't really do that, do they? No. It was also because it was a Microsoft game. You got achievement points on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> a brave new world points. That, um, that is pretty important. And it's also totally free and a really, really fun like simple, simple game. Wonderful. All right. Next on my list is another early game. So I, a bunch from here are early games and I don't exactly know why that is. Maybe that's just those games were stuck with me at the time, but it's a game called Shibuya, 
which unfortunately they never updated to be compatible with Retina, so it doesn't look great on the the current crop of iOS devices. But it is a game where there is there are blocks falling from the ceiling, and it's just like a like a single block in a row, and you need to uh, or they the, 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 say they're empty slots falling, and then there's a queue that has colors in it. So you assign that color to the block, and if you match blocks of the same color, they disappear. And they only disappear like once they hit the bottom. So say there's like three blank slots that are moving towards the bottom. uh, And you want to fill them all with like a bunch of blues. So like you have three blues in a row and you can go one, two, three, and then you get points for that. But say it's like blue, red, green, blue. So as the blocks are falling on the bottom block, you tap blue and then you skip a block because you're leaving that space for the blue that you know Mm. is further down in your queue, and you hit red and then green, and then you go back and you put the blue in there, and then when they hit, they clear. So it's it's a game of constantly trying to predict like what colors you might be getting next, managing the order of these things, and just hoping that you can pull it off, and then earning earning high points. It is also the first iPhone game that I played where I remember paying attention to specific achievements or like the challenges in the game. So it was like, you know get this many points, clear it in this amount of time, like get like five in a row, or like those kinds of things, or like, you know, fill it up entirely and, and clear out the entire board at once. Um, so as I was playing the game, not only was I working for high score, but I was also doing those. Nice. I, I think it's still fun and worth downloading if it's available, even if it doesn't look great. Yeah, it's like I'm seeing it's like a 2010 game. I wonder if it's even still up in the store. I don't know. It probably is. I mean, I don't know why they would have taken it down. Um. Uh, next, I'll say The Room, which is probably the only like big kind of adventure type game I've played on iOS. Good call. I and forgot about that because I played it on Android. But Out, yeah. friggin' standing yep. um, puzzle game. Loved, loved, loved it. Was excited to go back and play the um, add-on. Carrie was just playing The Room 2 on her iPad and it um, over Christmas. And I was like watching like, oh my god, it's gotten crazy and big. And now it's finally on iPhone, so I'm going to buy it and play it myself cool. but i just i just like that style of, of puzzle game super relaxed the touchy controls were great you really felt like you were turning this thing around and manipulating it and yeah absolutely um, it grabbed me in a way i did not think it would grab me I, no it's awesome totally good choice um next on my list here's a random one and i actually i bumped off one game that i absolutely loved oh i should say this there was a game called triple town triple town was mm. kind of like the original threes um, you put objects in a board and you had certain types and they combined together to make different types. So you add like three grasses made a bush and three bushes made a tree and three trees made a forest. And the thing they ended up doing that with that game though, is that there was a, um, they had, they had like two systems going on. They had a number of moves that you could make in a day, like an energy timer. And you could pay to unlock unlimited moves, which is totally fine. I wouldn't mind that at all. But then the other system that they had in place was, um, you could buy items that you could use on your board, like on your turn from a little store. And so say like, oh, I need a, I need a tree desperately right now. If I don't get a tree right now, can't play it. So, or I'll, I'll lose. So you could buy a tree using coins that you've earned during the course of play. And you earn them as you finish games, it totals up your value. And it's like, hey, here's a bunch of coins that you get. But the problem is you end up needing to spend or needing to like play through a bunch of just dopey games and just earning coins. And then you could go and play like a real game where you could try to get a high score because you didn't want to waste any coins in each individual game um, 
if you knew you weren't going to get a high score. Like it'd just be like a waste of your time and a waste of your money. And you could also buy those things with real money, like the coins, real money. So that got knocked off hmm. the list. And instead, it's been replaced by Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Oh, wait a minute. Yep. That game exists on other platforms. <laughs> but not this version of it. I mean, it is it is not the same games. I know. Um, I know. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is the only racing game of any sort on mobile that I've played that I found to be any fun, like, controls like it should control. <laughs> it actually uses, like, the, the tilt control to drive, but it, it felt right. Um the levels are big and open, so it's kind of forgiving. It plays more like a cart game than anything else. But in this, the Hot Pursuits way, like you still get the little power ups, and you get a you can swipe forward on the screen to boost, and you can knock people out with the EMPs, and it's just dumb races. And I played a ton of that game. I never oh, okay. It's, it's weird. It's uh, and I put it on here just to highlight the fact that it is possible, if improbable, but it's possible for them to translate a game from a, a major console to a handheld thing. The racing thing definitely makes sense. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more like indie racers or like a cart racer actually might work really well where you can keep the controls kind of loose and big and stuff. Oh, fuck. That reminds me. Oh, damn it. You just reminded me of a game I should have put on here, but it didn't. But we'll soldier on. So yeah, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. It's still all right. If that's updated for a uh, retina display. Sure. You might go check it out. Yeah. It's like two bucks. I could not put Super Hexagon on this list. Um, I forgot. I'd, Super Hexagon. I just forgot. Super hard, uh, you know, simple puzzler that rewards repeat playing. It's one of those games that's really, really hard and it seems impossible, but played enough, you kind of have this like zen breakthrough and you like become one with the game and all of a sudden you're just like like time slows down mm-hmm. and you're just moving that little triangle no problems like oh yeah yeah man i'm gonna get 40 50 seconds no problem it's like never in my life have i focused as much for 40 seconds in a row mm-hmm. as playing so true man I've- and when and when you get to that like last 15 20 seconds it almost feels like magic you're like how is this not am i not dying yeah, yeah. you basically uh, like oh my god oh my god don't, don't, don't think about it just don't think about it don't, just keep don't think about it just just keep going i'm sure glad you put that on there because i feel like a total dope for entirely forgetting about super hexagon i have very few games left on my phone i have like six or seven yeah. i i'd cleared them all i had to go like look at my download yeah, history exactly for a lot of these. Um, and i just i missed that one Super Hexagon. Super Hexagon. So the next game on my list is a game, which is funny because Rich Gallup tweeted about this game this morning, but it is also one of my favorites of all time. And that's uh, Sword and Poker. Sword and Poker? Sword and Poker. So Sword and Poker has a setup that's like Puzzle Quest, which is you going on an RPG adventure and you have skills as uh, a warrior that you can use but all your battles are done play with poker hands so there's a grid huh. and you're placing cards on the grid to form poker hands so it's like you know two pair pair full house or whatever and mm-hmm. by playing bigger poker hands you do more damage it, I mean, it's exactly puzzle quest but with poker hands uh-huh. it's fucking great yeah it's so cool and then you get power-ups that you sounds great character and uh they made a second one i th- can't remember which one is better i just put i put the first one on here because i remember it more um but yeah sword and poker check it out check it i think i will all right my final my final game color zen 
good game. Not oh, not top five for me, but a good game. I I could not put it on here because I've probably played it the most of any iOS game. I've like paid for DLC for Colors In because I ran out of Colors In. That's pretty. That's a good sign. Uh Colors End is a strange puzzle game where there are shapes on the screen of varying colors. When you tap it, the whole screen turns that color and uh, there's a border. So basically the very last shape you touch needs to be of that same color. And they introduce more and more mechanics as you go on. And it becomes a very rewarding like puzzle game where you have to think a bunch of moves ahead. And sometimes you get frustrated. And you're like, all right, let me just start touching stuff and see, like, I know I need to get rid of this color. So let me try touching these. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the best, most unique uh, iOS games I've played. Awesome, that yeah, it's a good one. There are a lot of I I joke generally about uh, iOS games and not really enjoying them, but over the years I certainly have pulled a, found enough games that I like. Um, and an old one that still sticks in my mind as maybe the one I spent the most time with. It is the only iOS game I have beaten, for what it's worth, and it's a game called Train Yard. Huh. Um, train yard is a puzzle game. There is a grid of a certain size. I can't remember what it is. And there is a start position and an end position. And, uh, the start position train has a color that needs to get to the, how, I don't know what it's called, like the station at the end. Um, and you draw tracks on the board to get your train to the end. Um, but the tracks will overlap and switch and, each of the trains is going on all the tracks and all the trains go at once. So you draw your tracks. So it's like, you could just like say it's like red on the left, red on the right, blue on the left, blue on the right. You draw right. two tracks straight across, press go, and they all go out there. Um, and then they, they get there. But if you have two trains uh, collide, then they will die. <laughs> and then you have places where trains can go through things that paint them into different colors. So it's like, maybe you have a red and a blue, but then there's a purple color thing in the middle. So, or no, when trains pass each other, sorry, when trains pass each other, they, they swap colors. That's what it is. So when a red train and a blue train, uh, meet, then they become, they form to become purple and they have to go into the purple house. I don't know if I'm doing a great job of describing how it works. I got it. Um, but anyway, it I I played the entirety of that game and I actually deleted my data just so I could start over. Uh, I don't know if they've updated again. I don't know if they've updated it for a Retina display. Jay, another recommendation for you: you should play yeah. Colorbind. 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 Okay. I think what's that? I think you really like Colorbind. Um, it is a puzzle game where you have a ribbon that you're dragging along a grid. And your ribbon Ooh. needs to fill in uh, parts of the grid that need to be colored with whatever that color ribbon is. Um, but you can only like draw the, the ribbons in each indiv- or you you can you I, can overlap, but you can't in this like grid. Yeah, yeah, you can cross, but you can't overlap in any place. I think you'd like that one. That is super cool. Since you like uh, colors in, I like I like colors in a lot. Okay, cool, man. Man. Well, that sounds like a podcast. That is a podcast. Um, I hope it is less time between this one and the next one. Yeah, I hope I. I'm gonna try to play Uncharted Two before then. You can totally finish Uncharted Two in maybe. two weeks. It's yeah, maybe problem. we'll have a Unch- Uncharted a podcast. Um, hopefully, play a little Bravely Default. 
Um, yeah, man. I mean, there's this is chock block full of random stuff. All right. Be this podcast certainly is. So we want to hear some of your your favorite iOS games and Android games. Now that I have that mm-hmm. recommendations. And you can always send those to lowscorepodcast at gmail.com or comment on the blog, lowscorepodcast.blogspot.com. And uh, then we have Twitter. And what, what, what happens on Twitter? You should say, uh, just send a message to at lowscorepodcast and say, my favorite video game entitled Threes is. And then fill in what it is after that. And that space at the end. After I say that. I didn't mean to do that.